Okay? The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear. And I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. You may be seated. God bless you. Last uh, message I ministered here a couple of weeks ago, I talked about <clears throat> influence by association. And during that period of time, we first talked about understanding that we all have influences in our life. Things influence to the positive, things influence to the negative. There's influences that we put out. There's influences that we receive uh, from people. Influence is bidirectional. It works both ways. It just depends on the situation and where you're at. Last week we talked about our, our influence on others. We talked about how the influence starts with our families, extends out past the influence that we have inside of our families. What kind of influence are we giving to our families? Are we giving good influence to our families? Are we giving bad influence? And, and, and all of those different things. And then <clears throat> we talked about even going beyond that, where we influence on the job, uh, when we go out into the workplace, when we go out just to be with friends, our influences go with us, both positive and negative influences. And then today we're going to start off with, uh, in First, uh, First Thessalonians 4.1, where Jesus was our example to the world. We are the example to the world today. In other words, Jesus, his example comes through his word that he teaches us here, but he doesn't come and speak to us and we can't see Jesus walk. We can't see how he lived. The book of James, we're studying the book of James and James, the brother of Jesus, saw Jesus as he grew up. So he got to see the life that uh, Jesus lived and we get to see parts of it that is shared with us. I mean, in the Word of God, not everything that Jesus did is in the Word of God. But he gave us a lot of direction out of the Word of God. And in Thessalonians says, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you may excel still more. He said here, Paul's talking to the Thessalonians and he says, he says, I tell you, I've given you instruction on how you ought to walk and please God. But then he goes on, he says, but just as you actually walk, that you may excel still more. Our life should be a life of excelling. We should never be to the point that we want to stand still. I know people that are in the sales forces and things of that nature and, and people who do it day after day after day after day. After a period of time, if you don't have some excitement come in and something to push you to the next level, you stagnate there. And you don't become as productive as you should be. The same thing is true in our life. If we don't push ourselves past that comfortable zone that we live inside of, we'll never be able to excel the way God wants us to excel in our life, in our ministry in our life, and all of the aspects of our life. We'll get comfortable in the place that we are. If we get too comfortable where we are, then things begin to just stalemate in our lives. And sometimes people wonder, well, why is there's just nothing in my life anymore? It's because you quit excelling and trying to step forward in your life. 
Then in 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 through 8, he says, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity. He has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Consequently, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives the whole, gives Holy Spirit to you. In other words, if we don't do live that life of sanctification. Now, a lot of people say, well, what is sanctification? Sanctification basically is a separation, but it's not a separation from the world. Many people teach that you separate yourself from the world, and basically you've gone from the world to a neutral position. God doesn't want us to go come from the world into a neutral position, but sanctification means I came from the world, but I have turned from the world, and I'm separated to God and for God's service. So many times we get so comfortable in where we are. Mike was talking about us this morning, talking about the thing we're concerned with was flesh and, and sin, and a lot of times people talk about sin, and a lot of people say, well, what is sin? We don't even talk about sin anymore. Well, the best way to put it this way, the middle letter in sin is I. If you get I out of the way, you're probably not sinning too much. Okay? But the thing about it is we don't talk a lot about it, but, but there is a life that we must live. In Colossians 3, 5, it says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead. To what? To immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. Idolatry is something that a lot of people think we don't have today because of idols. They think of it as an idol, as, a, as a, uh, an object that, you, uh, that is that you worship. You just worship this object. But an idol is anything that puts itself ahead of God. When you put something God, you've done that. You have, you have created an idol in your life. And there are many people that did it. Now, Jesus walked on the earth to give us an example. But then, uh, Jesus was the best influences on the lives of those who walked with him. Okay. In other words, Jesus had an influence on others. Okay. We have influences that come into our lives. And those influences that come into our lives come from different aspects and different places. I'm not going to talk about this today, but we know that there's bad influences. I want to talk about from the good side today. Okay. We have influences that come on the good side. That's where being around someone causes you to have a good influence and therefore change things in your life. Okay? And even though we do not see Jesus in the natural as an influencer, but his word shows us how he lived. But we here have been blessed, many of you, for many, many years, some for a few years, and some maybe have just got to the point of being in the church. 
But we have a person who lived a life that he thought was a, as close to the mirror image of the way Jesus lived. As many spoke of influence at Pastor Goodluck's funeral and the celebration, I noticed on Wednesday night we had a little service and people came up, and I noticed that something unique had happened. I realized that other people had been influenced by, had been influenced by his life, not just me. Not just me. And sometimes we look at us and we think us and we deal in that. And I realized that it wasn't just his influence that he had on me. But it was, I heard people one after the other talking about how much God had, how much good luck had, had influenced them in their life. So when Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, he wrote about the example that he was to them. Now, Paul told them, he said, I am your example. They didn't have Jesus to see. They didn't have someone to watch walk. They didn't have somebody to watch. As we don't have Jesus walking every day, showing us and us following him. So Paul said in Philippians three seventeen, Brethren, join in following he says, brethren, who's he talking to? Okay, us. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk. As you have us for a pattern. Even though our pastor never said I'm your example. He never said it. (laughs) He didn't have to. He lived it. He lived and led by example. And Ephesians... 5.1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Pastor lived a life before us, and his influence was not only seen, but it is being seen in each and every one of you. We need to realize that. That sitting And listening, watching, observing, we learned by example. We didn't have, I didn't have, wish I had, but I didn't have the years that many of you have had. I know his children, they've had had that influence for a lot of years. And Pastor Angela had it for a lot of years, being around him all the time. They They saw him outside of this environment. Lead the same way he said he, he taught up here. What he said up here, he lived. Okay? Now, his example to us comes in many different ways in which he did, but we need to realize that we need to re- 
think about those things that have influenced us, some differently than others, and what we're going to do with that. Okay? Now, Pastor Goodluck lived the life before us, and his influence is not only seen, but can be seen in each and every one of us. He changed us. He changed us by what he lived. He changed us through the life that he lived, through the word that he preached, and through the faith that he lived before us, even to the very end. He trusted God. He had faith in God. And to the very end, he trusted God. May we all do that when our time comes. At a point in time that God says, I want you home, that we can say, I have kept the faith to the end, and I have trusted you in everything. May we all pray that we can be that. He lived a life of compassion. He showed us, Jesus showed us in Matthew 9, his compassion. The pastor showed us his. Nine, Matthew 9, it says, And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed, downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. He could see you where you are. He could see you when you were hurting. He prayed for you when you were sick. Many people who went through seriousness, he didn't just pray, he fasted. Always there in the time of need. He was there in our darkest hours. Why? Because he cared for each and every one of us. He lived a life as a servant. I like to say bond servant because it was his choice to live that servitude. It wasn't something put upon him, something that he believed in. Mark 10 shows us what Jesus did. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many a ransom for sin. Service is something that he did willingly and openly. He stood up here. It was never about him. It was always about Jesus. Can we say that? Is it all, when we go through our day-to-day lives, is it more about us or is it more about God? Are we living the life of a servant of God? We're all to be servants of God, right? We're all to be able to do that. We're even supposed to be, Paul called us a bond servant. And as an illustration for bond service, when a person was, was, when a, person was um, uh, a bond servant was a servant whose time had come and could be released, okay, chose to stay with his master. So as an illustration this morning, you can see my awl hole right here that my wife put on the doorpost at the house. No. That just came to me. I didn't, I didn't plan that one, okay? But anyway, right. I have to, every time she tells me to do something and I don't do it, she shows me the mark on the lintel on the, on the doorpost, okay? And I'm sure every man has one there, whether he sees it or not, whether he's got a hole in his ear or not, he has one, okay? All right. But servitude. But a bond servant is one who chooses to be of service. He served us. He served us well. And he did those things which were pleasing. He lived a life of love. He loved his wife, loved his family. 
And he also loved us. Okay? So, his love for us. He loved his friends. He loved the church family. And he showed us his love. And he showed us that all the time. He lived a life of prayer. Okay? He lived a life of prayer. Every morning, he would come up to the church at 6 a.m. in the morning and pray for an hour, mostly in tongues. I met him at one of those 6 o'clock services. My first encounter with Pastor Goodluck was at a 6 o'clock prayer meeting. And I got to know a lot about him in just that one hour that I was there. And in that one hour, he, he made a difference in my life. I had just lost my mentor, my friend. He was my father-in-law. We'd ministered together for many, many, many years. And he lived a life before me. And he always kept me in check. You know, as a young minister growing up, I'd have to ask, I'd ask him if I, if I was on the right way. You know, I was getting ready to preach. I'd kind of run my sermon by him and things of that nature. And I had lost that. And that morning at 6 o'clock, God introduced me to the next mentor of my life. The one that changed me as he changed you. And I'm sure many of you probably got changed more than I did because you sit under the ministry for a lot longer period of time. He prayed for our needs as soon as he heard about them. He wasn't one to just pray, say he would pray and not pray. And many times on great knees, he even fasted for us individually for the needs that were going on in our life. He lived a life of faith. I could say so much about that. But Hebrews says, remembering those who led you, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct, imminent of their faith. He lived a life. He taught us faith. That's another thing he did was he talked to us. I probably could just go into that one. But he taught us faith. He didn't only teach us the word, but he lived the word before us. He told us the words that we speak are power. He taught us about the power of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit would be there with us always. Many times we say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We forget he's already here. We brought him when we came here because all of us, especially those who are baptized in the precious Holy Spirit, we carry that Spirit with us everywhere we go. And when we come to church, we don't have to say, come Holy Spirit. We just say, work, come out of me, Holy Spirit. Work in me. It's individual. It's not all about church as a group. God wants a relationship individually with each and every one of us. We were taught the Holy Spirit is here. It's here for us. Okay? Now, he lived with the power of the Holy Spirit. He taught us about the Holy Spirit. He, he spoke about the power of the Holy Spirit. He even wrote a book about the Holy Spirit. Do you think he thought it was important to have the Holy Spirit? Anybody disagree with that? I mean, I, I think his impact was... 
The Holy Spirit is a necessity in our lives. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to get it. If you don't understand it, find someone, a prayer partner, that can explain it to you so that you can receive the power that comes from it. If you think you have power without it, wait till you get it. Then comes the power that's there. He lived a life of forgiving. Sitting in his office. I know, he said, I had to forgive this week. Won't go any further. And he lived a life of humility. It was never all about him. It was always about you. It was always about the church. Okay? So, we as a body of believers have great influence on each other by our association with each other. Therefore, it is important that our life, our lives, so lift up and set an example to others who associate, that we associate with. If our association with others does not show the walk that Jesus showed us, then we have failed the influence that we have. If we do not continue in the in good influences in our lives, okay, if we don't continue there, then we have failed with the influence that's been given to us. I don't want this church to fail with the influences that have been made and the impact that has been made in the life. It is now not time to stop. It is time to go forward. It is time to carry on and do that which God has commanded us to do. Okay, it, our unity of beliefs influence us, and we gain strength through this association. Do we believe exactly the same? Do all of us believe exactly the same? Probably not. Not because each of us, each of us are different. It's because we're at different levels in our growth and in our spiritual walk with the Lord. I was telling some of the uh, uh, men in the jail ministry this week. I said. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you are a babe in Christ, a baby in Christ. It doesn't matter how old you are physically, when you accept Jesus Christ, that's when a new life begins. It is a life of growth. You do not go from birth to adulthood instantaneously in the natural, and neither you do the same in the spiritual. So many times we hear something and we say, I don't know about I'm not so sure about that or whatever. And then you hear the Scripture to go along with it, which you always got, the Scriptures. And you say, well, the Bible says that. So what you have to do is, what I used to tell people was, if there's something in the Bible that you don't agree with, take a black magic marker and mark it out. If you get enough of black marks on the page, just tear the page out. That way you don't have to follow what the Word says. Because it's of no longer any influence to you. Because you don't believe it. Pastor Mike was talking about this morning, talking about faith. Many of us look at it, faith is a noun. I guess that's the reason why in, in the New Testament we hear, the, the, we talk about faith with the pistos is the, is the Greek word there that we talk about. And, and you can use it as a noun where faith is the substance of faith, so forth. That's the noun, you know, the noun. It goes on to give the explanation. That's the reason why we have the active word used 
very heavily in the New Testament, which is, comes from pistos, which is pistos, which means to believe, which is the verb. And so when the Bible says believe, and you shall receive, right? Ask, believing, and you shall receive. So there is that believing aspect of us which puts action into words. If we get influence, and we have influence in our lives, but we don't take any action, then what have we accomplished? If we don't let the good influences in our lives radiate. We do a great job of letting bad influence radiate in our life. Okay? We should spend more time letting the good things that we have learned through influences, through the Word, through Scripture, whatever the case may be, it's done, it's there for us, right? But we just don't always believe the same, but it has to do with that grace. That's where I was coming from, from a child, right? But through our association with each other, and this is not just from the pastor down, I'm talking about with each other. As we have association with each other, we influence each other. Hopefully, to grow in our understanding and our beliefs in the Word of God as we interact together. Sometimes in some of the group sessions, like the one that's going on tonight, sometimes we'll get and, and we sit there and one will give this, how God has done this in their life or done this. And everybody's there. You know, everybody's getting input. Everybody's learning. We're learning about people. We're learning about their lives. We're learning them. We're getting to know them. And we want to be influences, good influences on each other. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're in a good environment. If you're in a good environment, you want good things coming, right? You want to share all those good things that are happening. And that's what happens. But the thing about it is, are we the influencer in the meeting or whatever the way are? Or are we the one being influenced? Because we can either be an influencer or being the one that is influenced. Do you know which one wins? The stronger. The stronger always wins. I was in sales for a long period of time and my life, not proud of it. And I don't mean that as a negative thing about salespeople. I just was, I was in the wrong kind of selling, if you understand what I'm saying. I was selling motivation. But they would bring people who were irritated to be because we just told them they were going to Disney World. We put them in front of a, brought them into a hotel conference room. And they were hot because they thought they were going to Disney World. And it was my job to go out there and take all the rebuke. And the common sales terms it was, I was a cooler. I was supposed to cool the room down. In other words, get people out of their rage, get them down to where we could sell them something. I asked the Lord forgive me that for a long time, ago, a long time ago, but it's not something I was proud about. But I became an influencer. I had to influence and change their mind about the perceptions that they had about where they were. The stronger wins. The heavy-duty salesman. If he's stronger than the person sitting across the aisle, there was a sale made. If the person over there was stronger than him, they walked out of there and they didn't buy a thing. Okay, Proverbs says. Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. Okay? Iron sharpens iron. Now, how many of you know what a steel is? Okay. If you don't know what it is, a steel is what you get in a, especially in a chef set, a nice 
They always come with that one that does, does, you can't figure out what you cut with it, so you use it to stir. <laughs> that was the one I'm talking about. They call that a steel, okay? Now, it works good to stir with, too. I can tell you from in my early life, I used to sell knives, and they had to tell me what that was for. I thought it was to stir with. But the steel has to be harder than the knife. Else, it will not make the edge. Now, I have never learned to be able to do that. I used to cook in sales for a living one time in my life. I sold it all at one point in time in my life. And so all the, they teach you, you know, to before you do your demonstration, you know, you do all this in a demonstration. So what I would do since I couldn't sharpen the knife, I'd sharpen them in advance. And so all I would do was just hit the knife blade on there. I'd say, see how sharp this is? Because I couldn't use the steel. Well, I could never sharpen a knife with a steel because I didn't know how to use it. Iron sharpens iron. If you take two of the same thing and hit them together, there's no gain to either. It's the stronger of the two that's able to sharpen the other. So when we take the influences in our life that we have, we have to realize that we have to be stronger in our belief system, stronger in what we want to do than the person that we're talking to. Because if they're stronger in what they believe and what you believe, guess who changes? Guess what's happened when we hear an argument on a piece of paper or somebody stands up and you hear something and you say, well, I didn't, that, that person can't be right. They're not. But you've opened your ears to their influence. Do you realize all of us, A double L, all, I'm sorry if you think you're above this, but we have all been badly influenced by the world. We have taken what the world has sold and we have taken those things into our lives. Not all of us the same thing, but we have tried to bring the world into the church instead of taking the church to the world. Okay? It's because when you don't have an argument, when you don't have a valid argument, you call names or label. Okay? When you don't have an argument, then you have to label, right? You have to do something. Because if you don't have, if you don't have a good argument, there's one right here. This one says it right here. It talks about three, three major things. If you follow those three major things in this word, you won't have a lot of problems. Stay away from the lust of the flesh. Stay away from the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. About all which every sin is committed. Flesh, what we see with our eyes, the lust of the eyes, what we want. And that's not, and has been taught so many times, that means you're sexually looking at everybody and you know, all that kind of stuff. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying what you see with your eyes and desire. It can be immorality. It can be money. It can be home. It can be in a car. It can be anything. 
It's what we see. It's what we want. Our flesh wants what our eyes see that our flesh wants and our pride that keeps us. What's the other side of pride? Humility. Humility is not weakness. Humility is not weakness. Gentleness is not weakness. It's the Word of God. He told us to live that way. Now, a lot of people say, well, I just, I just refuse the pride of life. I refuse to live that. I will not do that. I'm sorry. You can believe that all you want to. I don't, and there are people that say this, I don't care what the Word of God says. I'm going to do it anyway. Anybody know what that's called? Rebellion. <laughs> it's rebellion against the Word of God. And I have got out in left field, and I need to get back to second base, okay? All right. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So we're going to sharpen somebody today. Are you harder? Are you the soft? Okay? Now, Because of this being the sharper, there lies the problem. Now, there are types of associations that we live our lives today. Okay? Association with our families. Now, I talked about that the last time I spoke, about us, how our influence is into our family. But I want to share with you today... In your family situation, are you the influencer or are you being the one influenced in your family? Luke 14, 26 says, If anyone, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. He cannot be. What's a disciple? So we get some clarity on this scripture. What is a disciple? The definition of a disciple is a... See, y'all don't remember. I just talked to this three weeks ago. Okay. Learner. A disciple is a learner. That's the reason why the disciples were called disciples when Jesus was alive and when he died on the cross, they became apostles. Or some people say apostles. They became apostles. You know where my head was heading, so anyway. What's an apostle? One who goes forth. They came from the learner to the going forth. We have to start taking what we've learned and turn it into a mouthpiece for God. He said we have to hate everybody. Anyone who comes to me and does not hate. Hate. I've heard somebody tell me hate's not in the Bible. How can we, how, why are we, why, why would we hate our father and our mother? He's trying to prove a point. He's first. 
he's first. He has to be first. I love my wife. And I know she loves me. But I'm sorry, sweetheart, I love God more. I do. We all should be that way. Not saying we shouldn't love family, shouldn't love our, our, our families and stuff. But the thing about it, God wants to be first. We understand that we are to love families. But Jesus knew that family members could discourage on whether to follow Jesus or not. Now, can you imagine when he called the disciples? They're out there working in the fish boats. They're doing it. They're getting the lines. They're mending the fences. They're doing mending the nets and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus says, follow me. Let me go check with my wife. Uh, let me go check with my dad. It says they followed him. Okay? We can be influenced by our family in a negative way about our relationship with God. You give too much, too much money to that church. You shouldn't have to go down there every Sunday and every Wednesday night. Do you get talked out of doing what you know to be right to do? I think we all do. There are many people that through this pandemic that we've gone through, has been influenced so strongly that they no longer feel the need to come to church because they've been fed out there for 18 months. And if they've been fed out there for 18 months, then they can be fed for the next 20 years. They have lost sight of the fact that we need each other. We need the influences of our Christian brothers and sisters. We need the influences in our families to help us. Hopefully in a family, not everybody's down at the same time, right? So that everyone who's still up can pull the other one up. Hopefully the husband and the wife are not down at the same time or I won't see them next Sunday. But one of them may get up and knows, oh, I don't feel like going. Come on, we got to go. Get up and go, right? Our families many times, and this goes, we can, we cannot, we just cannot be influenced by families against the ways of the Lord. Many families, members, do much harm in how they treat each other. We've lost love in our homes. It's called existence. I have to exist with my children, so I have to give in to their influence. Is that what the Word of God says? You just don't know what will happen. Brother Graham, this Word was written 7,000 years ago. It's just not relevant today. If you believe that, you're in big trouble. God is not going to rewrite this book for this generation. The influence in this book is the truth. What's out there is nothing but lies. As I like to put it, it is the figment of people's imagination. Whatsoever man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
Put this in here, in your heart, and you will think that way. That's why we do think that way. That's why I think the way I think. Do I walk this perfectly every day? By no means. But it doesn't mean that I'm not striving to do that. I want to be going this way. If God is this way, I want to be heading this way when He comes in the clouds. I don't want to be headed this way. Because if I'm heading this way, I won't see Him. Okay? But we have to take what's been planted in us. This has been planted in us. And in your lives, maybe not just here, but somewhere else. You have gained influences your whole life. The reason why I don't see things the way some people see is because my life didn't look at things the same way as it did the way you looked at things through life. I wasn't raised the same way that other people were looked at. And I said, well, why in the world would they look at that? Why in the world would they do this? Why in the world would they do that? It's because I was never allowed to do that, 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 that. I was a very blessed child. I was. I'll tell you right straight up and down. I had two of the best parents in the world. They didn't just threaten to spank me. They did it. When Mama said, I'll take care of you when I got home, she got home. I remember one little kid, probably four or five years old, the church was acting up. When I was growing up, I was probably, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years old, something like that. I was in church. And this little boy just cutting up, because we didn't have children's church. And he was acting up. He was right towards him. All of a sudden, his daddy grabs him by the hand. He's driving around. Boy, that, he's like, yeah. Had a little kid run down. I said, please pray God he don't kill me. <laughs> Why? He knew he was going to be disciplined. There's a difference between punishment and discipline, but we've kind of married that together. Discipline of correction. Punishment. Okay? is when you punish somebody for something that maybe they didn't do. Okay? I'm losing my place here. Okay. We're on. Okay, i got plenty of time here. The influence of the family is not always good for us who walk with God. If you're really blessed, if you have a supporting family, but if you do not have a good influence, some don't have it. We are all members. All, we all remember the story of Joseph, how his brothers were jealous hated him for his dreams, and plotted to kill him. Right? Got off the Remember, he had his robe of pretty colors. Just to refresh you, if you don't know the story, he goes to see his brothers. For his father sent him there to check on them. Went to one place that weren't there. They moved the herd. He went over there. And when they saw him coming, they put this plan together to kill him, dip his robe in blood, and tell him that, you know, he'd die. But the younger, one of the younger brothers said, let's don't do that. Let's there were some merchants coming by. They sold him. Now, those people in his life, those brothers, didn't know the plan of God, even though Joseph had showed them twice what it was. They bowed down before him one day. But through all that he went through, he was sold into slavery. He was in prison. He never lost his faith in God. No matter what the circumstances are around you in your home and in your environment, never lose your faith and your trust in God. 
the greatest influence we have is, is to know that God is there with us, right? Now, we see that story in Genesis 37 and 4. And the brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Joseph was hated by all of his brothers. Hated. Well, you may live in a home like that to where if you're living for Jesus, everybody else in your home may not love, may not live for the Lord. And they may hate a portion of you. But the thing about it is we can never give up. We can keep praying for them for change, for change in their life, right? Genesis 37, 11, it says, And his brothers were jealous of him. His brothers were jealous. Many, if you're the Christian in the family, they're hateful to you. They're just jealous of what you have that they don't have. They don't, a lot of times they don't feel like they can have what you have because God would never forgive them. But also they're never ready to take the sacrifice necessary to move to that particular element in their life. Okay? Even though through all of this, God's perfect will was accomplished and there was a great discord in the family. The jealousy, this influence is not the type of influence that we need to grow in our fellowship with God. Close association with family members that are like poison to us is not helping our fellowship with God. Many family members can be toxic. Even though they may be toxic, how do we treat them? Luke 6 says, But I say to you here, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Be blessed. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you or mistreat you. Luke 6.31 says, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners... Love those who love them. And if you do not do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it to you? For even the sinners do the same. So, love those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To those who mistreat you, treat them as you would want them to treat you. But don't engage in their folly. Don't engage in their folly. Even though we treat them the way that the Lord instructs us, don't let your association with them influence your walk with the Lord. You may have to love them, but you don't have to love their ways. Okay? Limit your association with them. If you have to love them, you have to love them, pray for them, and forgive them, but you do not have to be around anyone who is toxic in your relationship with God. I need to stop.
In conclusion, we had a good influence here on us. So what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this influence that's been on our life? We are to carry the light. Our pastor is laid down in his reward. And he has taken the baton and handed it to us. He took a light, his light, and from that light, he lit all of our candles. And by lighting each and every candle, we no longer are a single light in the massive darkness of the world. We are a fire. We are a fire because we're no longer one but we are many. Okay? The pray, what are we going to do with it? As a church, we must carry on the vision that our pastor had for lost souls. That's all he ever wanted was to win the loss and disciple them. Win the loss and disciple them. Okay? Now, Bible says We are to take the Word of God to the world. What is the world? I may minister on this if God leads, but the Lord shared this with me the other day. I'm going to just share it with you. We have a little sign in our laundry room right where we go out to get in the car. And it says something to this effect. You are now entering your mission field. When we walk out that door, it's a mission field. Many people have a mission field in their home. But even if you've got all of them one in your home, when you walk out that door, so where is your mission field? We are all to become ministers, right? But missionaries, when you hear the word missionary, the first thing you think of, what country are you from? What, what, what country do you minister in? When we tell people that we're missionaries, my wife and I would tell people we're, we're missionary, missionary, whatever they want to call us. Where? We say to Uganda, Kenya. And that's what people think when you say, I'm a missionary to this place. I'm a missionary to this place. What is a mission? What is a mission? It's when you have something that you must accomplish, that you must do, that you get it done. That's the mission that lies before you. We all have a mission. Every one of us has a mission. Win the lost at any cost. That's our mission. All of us. That's your purpose that all of us have. God may have other purposes for you. But the main purpose that God saved you for was not just to get you to heaven, but it was to get you saved so that you could lead others to salvation. So we have a challenge that our pastor left with us. The challenge is, will you go forth or will you stay here and just be fed? It's good to be fed, 
But it's good to have people, new people to feed. Now, how do we go about doing that? I'm not here to tell you how to do it, but I can tell you it can be as simple as offering someone the opportunity to come to church. We have cards out on the stand out there in Spanish and English. There's nothing more than a card that says, Be my guest. It's not hard to do. We pass hundreds, hundreds of people a week in our life. Are we influencing them in any way? You can't influence all of them, but could we influence one? Could we influence one person a week? Do you realize that if we had, if you got one person to come next week, then we'd have twice as many people here? That's just one. But what do we do with this light? Pastor's greatest challenge to us was save souls and disciple them. Are you ready to stand to share the light to Cyprus and beyond. Our mission, first and foremost, is here because this is the base that everything launches from. It all starts with you. It doesn't start with me. It starts with us. Okay? It's not Pastor Angela's job to go out and get 40 people to come in. It's our job to go out. Sheep bear sheep. Shepherds don't. People don't like that. I understand that. We must be prepared to move forward. Now is not the time to stand still. Look forward for the work that God has called the Ark Fellowship to do. If you want... If you truly want Pastor Goodluck to live, live, let him live through you as you carry his vision for lost souls. That way, he will live forever. Not here, but he'll live forever in our hearts by what we do and what we accomplish for Jesus because of his influence in our lives. Would you stand with me? Oh, Father. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your love, God, that you give to us. I thank you, Lord, for the influence in our lives that have been changed forever. We will be changed forever. God, I pray right now that you make This church, the Ark Fellowship, the greatest soul-winning church in the world. He said, that's a big thing to say. Nothing is too big for God. It only takes us, Lord, to do your work. And it should be done of our Father. I thank you, Lord, for this group of people. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand before them. But Lord, I pray right now that you put a desire in every one of our hearts to do all that we can do 
to bring the souls into the kingdom and to grow the kingdom and make disciples both here and beyond. God, I just praise you and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, I don't want to close any service. I know it wasn't a big salvation message, but if you don't know Jesus, or if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you want to know the, be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Come up here. We'll work with you. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you slip your hand up and say, I'd love, Pastor, I'd like to know Jesus today. Is there one? Don't know where all this goes, but if it goes out to you, and you've heard this message, and you want to be part of this, come be part of us. If you're not part of us here, and you're far away, then support us with your prayers, your offerings, and your time. God will bless each and every one of us for it. So, Father, I pray right now as we go to our home, God, that you keep a hedge of safety around us. No danger, no harm shall come to us. Bring us back at the next appointed time to worship you and to praise you. And, God, let us be a light that stands in the darkness to this community and beyond. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May the Lord richly bless you as you go.